morning, everybody. Welcome to Church in the Valley. How many of you have ever used the word epic in your vocabulary? Just go ahead and raise your hand, right? Epic is a common term that we use, uh, especially in today's world. You hear like, I ate an epic meal last night. You know, that's like a review that you might find. And people think, well, I want to go to that restaurant because it's an epic meal. Or I saw an epic movie. And maybe it was just this this tale of just defeat and victory and or one of my favorites is epic fail. Have you ever seen like the, the videos of epic fails where it's somebody just walking and they trip amongst themselves and just fall flat on their face? And there's all sorts of videos about people epic failing, pets epic failing, and epic is now just this normal word that we use. Well, today we're kicking off a series called Epic Story, and we're going to be looking at just like that video showed how God has actually created the world and has created this epic story that we are all a part of. And you may not even know that you're a part of this story. And so in the, the course of this series, we're going to be looking back at history of how God has interacted with man. And from the stories in the Bible, we're going to learn a lot about God. We're going to learn a lot about ourselves as humans. And then ask the question, well, what, what's the point? Uh, why are we here today in this present time? Uh, how is the God of history interacting with us today? And we're going to be taking this journey on really the themes of what the scriptures say and characters as they face different things and God himself as he has interacted throughout history. And so if you've gone to church before, uh, you may hear similar stories that you may grew up hearing. Uh, this might be one of the first times you've ever been to church or this could be your very first time. And these stories are going to be very unfamiliar to you. But over the course of the next few weeks, if you decide to come back and hear uh, what we're going to be talking about, you're going to be able to see the God of history and the God of the present and the God of the future and how he actually has this story that he wants to tell uh, through us. Now, anytime you hear something epic, just like that trailer, uh, you kind of may feel, well, life right now is not that epic. Uh, You may be stressed out. You may be overwhelmed. You may be facing like uncertain times. Your future is all unknown and Kind of life is anything but epic. And so our goal, this series, is not to just produce hype, but actually to look at the fact that God has woven human history in with stories. And he actually cares about the people that he's created. And he's telling a story through those people and through us. And so whether or not you feel like your life is epic or it's maybe just mundane or maybe it's just kind of going through the motions, we hope that you'll be able to get a picture Of how God actually has a plan and a purpose. And it's a time to actually ask maybe questions that you might have about the Christian faith. It's a time to maybe investigate things that you've never investigated. And so this series is a lot about purpose. It's a lot about redemption. It's a lot about what are we supposed to do on this earth and how does God uh, fit into that? And so I want to kick things off by just defining what epic means, since we're going to be basing this series on this. So if you read the dictionary in Merriam-Webster, this is what epic is, and you'll see it on the screen. It says, telling a story about a hero or about exciting events or adventures, or an epic is a very great or large and usually difficult, or it can be impressive. And so we're going to be looking at the scriptures and finding the epic things that happened. And some things may be big, some things may be small, but they're actually They are epic. And so we want to kind of unpack that and take you on a journey. So you kind of know where we're headed. I want to do a series overview. Uh, We're going to be spending nine weeks on 
this epic story that you find in the scriptures. And so I want to kind of give you a picture of where we're going to be headed. So it starts with today. And if you have a program like Ben mentioned, you can open that up and there's a listening guide in there. Uh, this is for you to follow along if you choose. If you prefer to just listen, you can do that as well. But in the listening guide on the program, you'll find an outline of the message today. And we've got uh, really the, the kind of preview of this series. And it starts with uh, today. And we're going to be talking about a story that resonates. Okay, But in all these stories, you find this common theme. And that is the Bible reveals the epic story of God redeeming people who put their faith in him. So each of the weeks that we're going to be talking about reveals this truth, that the Bible reveals this epic story of God redeeming people who put their faith in him. And we're going to talk a lot about redemption today. But today we're talking about the story that resonates. I'm going to get to that into a moment. But week two of this series, we're going to talk about the grand opening. Okay, the grand opening. And that is God created the world. Before he created the world, we actually didn't exist, according to the scriptures. And so in week two, grand opening, we're going to talk about why did he create the world? And then how do you actually find meaning in the fact that he created us? Uh, week three, uh, the story takes a turn and it's called fall apart. Now, you don't want to start a story with fall apart because everyone's like, why do I want to go to a story where everything falls apart? Right. Like oftentimes it's a little depressing. But in the epic story of the scriptures, there was creation and this grand opening of God's purpose, but because of humanity's choice, things began to unravel, things began to fall apart, and so we're going to talk about that. Week four, we're going to talk about chosen but struggling. We're going to look at the life of Abraham and how uh, he really gives an example of how to choose faith in the midst of uh, hard things and also looking at the promises of God. And so how do promises of God help us in the midst of the hard things? That's what we're going to talk about. Week five, uh, we're going to talk about the rescue, and we're going to look at the lives of Joseph and Moses, and how he rescues us, God, in the midst of really hard things. So we're going to look at what happened to the characters in history, in the scriptures, but also what does that mean for us today? And that's always the goal in scriptures. You look at what happened in history, you take out the implications, you take out the principles, and then you ask, well, what does that mean for me? And that's what we're going to be doing with these characters a week six, we're going to be talking about life's battlefield, and we're going to be looking at the life of Joshua uh, in the Old Testament and how you actually find hope when you don't shrink back from the hard things, when you actually push forward in life. And so if you're facing hard things in life right now, which I know I face hard things, what happens if you actually don't shrink back but move forward? And so we're going to look at that on that week. Week seven, we're going to talk about leadership and the place of leadership in the scriptures. And what do you do when you are an authority or you are a leader? What do you do when you're under authority and you're under leaders in all the things and the dynamics that happen with that? From work to the family to just culture in general. So we're talking about leadership and authority. Week eight, uh, redemption. We're going to talk more about Jesus and how everything pointed to his coming and what that means for us today. And then we're going to close out this series talking about the church. And that is... Everything that's happened in history, starting from the creation to Christ coming, led to a purpose. And that purpose was to actually extend God's mission and the fact that he saves people to us today. And part of the reason that you're here in a church right now in the present, in 
the United States of America is because all these things that we'll be talking about happened and the spread of the good news of Jesus happened and churches across the world gather to celebrate what happened to Jesus Christ. But not only are we going to look back on that and historically, but, but what does that mean for us today? How do we actually find hope in the here and now? And how does the church play a role in that? And so if you're just thinking, you know, I just, I just want to come for Easter. Like you just gave me nine weeks. You don't have to come by, by sitting here. We actually have not wrote your name down and have your address and we'll hunt you and you have to come to all the rest. Some of you have a GPS tracking. You just don't even know it yet. Just kidding. Just don't eat the blueberry muffins. But um, <laughs> just kidding. But you feel free. Feel free to come to, to any of these. There might be some that are interest you. But I encourage you, if you've never read the Bible before, or you've just heard pieces, or you've maybe heard this story, but you don't understand the context, this idea is how do we look back from the beginning to today? And what does the Bible have to say about that? And what you find in the scriptures is that it's not only a book that has stories, but it has principles, and it has truth, and it has a lot of things that are compelling, that can help us. As we choose to investigate and wrestle with that. So we hope you can you can join us. But like I mentioned at the beginning, there's this theme throughout all these weeks that we're going to be talking about on the idea of redemption, being redeemed. And to redeem something means you you gain or you regain possession of something in exchange for payment. And so I don't know if you've ever watched a movie or read a book where things don't start in a chronological order, okay? How many of you just love movies if just give me the beginning, give me the middle, give me the end, don't mess it up? Any of you just like your linear people, you like things to be chronological? How many of you don't like to answer questions when you're asked, right? Some of you, thank you. Some of you like linear, right? You like, okay, just give me the beginning, give me the middle, give me the end, and that way I can track. But then, like, what started to happen is people made movies and people were trying to tell these epic stories and authors. They decided, what if we told a story with the most significant thing first, and then we went back maybe to the beginning, and then maybe we went to the future, and then we kind of go to the past again. Have you ever watched those movies and you're just like, I have no idea what's happening. And you maybe paid 30 bucks to go see that at a movie theater, Right. But in the scriptures, you find that it actually is very important to take that approach to the stories of the scripture. And that's what we're doing today on Easter. We are going to look at all of what the scriptures pointed to, all of what the scriptures looked back on. And that is the person of Jesus Christ and what he did. In fact, that's what the church and Christians celebrate in Easter, what Jesus did. So what we're talking about today is the most significant event. That you find in the scriptures. And so we're going to start there because the rest of the stories of the Bible and what we're going to be talking about week to week either was looking forward to that event or was looking back on that event. And so it's really, really significant. And that's why it's called the story that resonates. There's a part of which if this doesn't happen, if this isn't real, if this is just glossed over, the rest of the stories of scriptures actually really don't make sense. Because everything was pointing to this point. The reason that is, is God's redemptive plan is found in Jesus' resurrection. His redemptive plan. Now, it begs the question, why did God need to have a redemptive plan? And that's part of what we're going to be talking about in this series. But I want to just give you a very brief overview of why that is. God made us 
to have a relationship with him. That's the purpose for which he made us. He didn't make us just so we could be independent, doing life our own way. He actually made us to have a relationship with him. However, what happened in the course of human history, the first couple, Adam and Eve, and we're going to talk about this more in a couple weeks, they decided that although they were made to have a relationship with God, they also wanted to kind of do things by themselves. They wanted to be independent. They wanted free will. They wanted kind of to pave their own way. And the scripture calls that sin and rebellion. It's this choice that we want to make to do what we want to do independent of God. And that's when sin entered the world. When Adam and Eve decided that they didn't want to follow what God said, they wanted to do their own thing, sin entered. And in scriptures, another one of the epic stories is what sin is. And it's important to know what sin is. And sin in the scriptures actually leads to death. It leads to this darkness, this eternity Outside of God, because God made the world and, and it was perfect. But when sin entered, it all got messed up. And so man and woman, ever since we've been in sin, and you guys know that I don't have to convince you that you've sinned, right? You can look back at when you were a kid, when you maybe made a choice your parents didn't like, and you realize like, I made that choice because I wanted to make that choice. Because I didn't want to listen to my parents because I really wanted what I wanted. If you've ever done anything out of just wanting something really bad, a lot of times that can be based in sin, especially if it was wrong. And so when sin entered, everything kind of changed. Because sin led to death. But God, he wanted life. He wanted us to experience life. He wanted us to experience the goodness to which he made us for. And so he decided in the beginning of time that even though sin came and changed everything, there was a way that Things could be redeemed. Things could be gained and regained. There could be a payment that would make everything right. And so since sin comes with the penalty of death, God decided the only way to rectify this so that people could have life and experience my plan again is I have to send somebody to pay the price for that sin. And that person was Jesus Christ. We all have a sin problem but Jesus came so he could actually take on the penalty of sin himself and give us hope and give us life. So that's why today is critical, because if you learn about sin and you look, learn about the problems of the scripture, but you miss Jesus, then we're left with this tremendous weight of problems that we cannot solve. We cannot cope with. We cannot move forward. with. It's a tremendous weight because it's death. Sin leads to death. But through Jesus, we, we have hope. And so God's redemptive plan began with him sending Jesus Christ on this earth to model, to live life, and to ultimately die on the cross for our sin and to rise again. However, through today's story, I want to talk about characters who believed that Jesus was the Son of God. They believed that he was the Savior he was the Messiah because everyone around the world in which Jesus lived at the time knew that there was a sin problem because they'd experienced problems in their life. They'd experienced bad decisions. They experienced a past they wanted to get away from. They experienced the kind of unknown of the future, which they didn't know how to head into. And so it's a lot like us today. We experience all these things. So at the time they knew we needed help. We need we need the savior. We need this person who can make things right. And in the Old Testament, they were pointing to this. This Messiah. Have you ever heard this, this word Messiah? It's this person who can save us from our sin. 
can redeem us like like I've mentioned. So at the time of Jesus' ministry, he had about 120 uh, close followers. This was the crowd that kind of went wherever he went. When he was teaching, they were there. They were learning from him. And then he had 12 disciples. These are his like intimate followers. Wherever he was, he was, they were there all the time. And so he had this, this crowd that gathered. And what we celebrate today on Easter is the fact that he died on the cross, but not that he just died on the cross, but that he, he rose again on the third day. But if you would go back to that time in history, he was crucified. He died this terrible death. He was innocent. He had never sinned, according to the scriptures. But he took this terrible death for us. So all these people were watching this person that was the Savior, that was the Redeemer, that was the Messiah, And they saw him put on this cross and crucified and killed. Now, if you could imagine, all their hopes were in Jesus Christ. And they were hoping for some sort of just uprising to come, some resurgence to kind of fight against the things that they were facing, the the powers that were kind of coming against them, even their own sin. And then he died. Now, any story... Have you ever just been so captivated by a character? Maybe it's like a, an episode that you've watched and you've been with a series a long time and you have your favorite character and they kill off the character. You ever had that? And you're just, you're just left for weeks and some of you are shaking your head like, yeah, I remember like Grey's Anatomy, like, right? Some of you that came to your mind, I just, I felt it. Some of you are like, yeah, Grey's, Downton Abbey, I remember that. I'm British, you know, I got to mention that one. But, you know, when the, the main character uh, is killed, there's a part in like you're like, why even watch? Why even watch? There's no point. And this is the same for this real life event that happened. This person they put their hopes in died. He died. And he told them he was going to die. But he actually did it and he died. And so there's this period of time where he was crucified on Friday and he was killed. And Saturday came and all their hopes were dashed. And I want to walk through a story today of what happened in that period of time where he died and then people did not know what's next. Because that's actually a lot of what we face today because we don't see Jesus here and now. We can't walk up to him and have a conversation per se in the flesh seeing him. But there were these people that put all their hopes in him. And then it seemed like all was dashed. And so the disciples were highly discouraged, as you can imagine. They were distraught. All the things they had placed their hopes in seemed like were now amount to nothing. Now what are they going to do? They kind of left everything to follow Jesus. They left their jobs. They left their families. Great sacrifice to follow this person. They truly believed was the son of God. And he died. And what was next? So I want to pick up this story about two of his followers who are on the road to Emmaus. And they lived in Jerusalem, but they're on this journey. And it's a seven-mile journey. And it's, a, it's on a Sunday, and they're on this journey. And again, the crucifixion, Jesus dying on the cross, happened on the Friday. And they're on this journey. They're seven miles. 
and they are just talking, and you find this in, in the book of Luke in the New Testament. They're talking about all these things that have happened. And we don't know the, all the parts of their conversation, but as you can imagine, like, just probably repeating, like, he's, he's gone. Like, he died. He's not, he's not here anymore. He's gone. He's died and just like repeating. And if you've ever faced tragedy, you just, you're, you're just trying to come, to come to grips with it. But in this story, in Luke chapter 24, we find, because of the narrative, we find that Jesus has risen from the dead. In fact, that morning, on the Sunday morning, some women go to take some spices and some oils to the place where Jesus was buried. And if you've heard this story before, they go to this tomb and this giant stone is rolled in front of it. But in the morning of the Sunday they go, the stone is moved. No man could move it by themselves. And Jesus is not there. And then Simon Peter, one of his close followers, goes to the tomb. And say, well, these women come back and saying he's not there. So he gets up, he runs to the tomb and he's not there. And so there's this this just strange thing happening. Okay, Jesus was crucified. He died. He was put in this tomb, but he's not there anymore. No one has a category for how does a body that was dead and in this rock no longer be there. And so these people are walking and they're just talking about not only did he die, but the fact that his body isn't there. And Jesus comes to them. So they're walking. It's just a pair. And I would say three is a crowd, but if like Jesus comes and like talks with you, like Three's no longer a crowd, like you kind of want him there. But here's the thing that's crazy. They actually don't know that it's Jesus. So they're talking about all these things. And Jesus comes up to them, but his face is veiled, is what the scripture says. Side of the, they actually don't know it's him. So he, he's just a stranger. And he goes up to them and, and he asks, hey, like, what, what are you guys talking about? Like, he, you know, he knew. But he asks what? What are you what are you guys talking about? It seems like you're in this intense conversation. I was just walking by and I would like to know what what happened. And they basically tell Jesus himself. You must be the only one in all of Jerusalem that has no idea what we're talking about. Have you missed this event? You didn't hear about Jesus of Nazareth who died on the cross. How he was crucified. You didn't hear about him. This great teacher that many crowds have followed and he performed miracles and he helped people. He was killed. Again, they, they have no idea, but it's actually Jesus. And, you know, I imagine inside, he's like, yeah, like, like I, I know. Like, really? I know. But they don't know that, it, that it's him, okay? So this story is unfolding, and, and, and they begin to question, and they bring Jesus, again, who they don't know, into this conversation. Why, why is this happening? He was our hope. He was the person who was going to redeem us. And they're just kind of explaining this to Jesus, all their concerns. And then they bring up the question of, but you know what's even weirder? Not only did he die, not only was he set to redeem us, but you know what's crazy? This morning people went to go look at his tomb and he wasn't there. We don't even know what to do with that. And there were reports at the time, did somebody steal his body? Why would somebody do that? And you, you could just tell that they were just overwhelmed. And Jesus, in the only way that he can do, begins to, to kind of ask some questions. And he just eases into the conversation and he says this in Luke chapter 24 verse 25 to 27 he says and he said to them "O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken so they're just talking to the stranger and he just decides you know what i'm just going to go right to it 
Now, normally a stranger would ease himself into a conversation, right? You're like, yeah, well, that, that's an interesting theory. And yeah, I've never met you before, but that's kind of crazy. And but Jesus decides, I'm just going to call him on it. And he basically says, this is what was supposed to happen. You know the Old Testament. You know the prophets. They all pointed to this Savior who was going to be crucified. This event wasn't something that just happened out of thin air. It was actually prophesied. It was projected. He says, was it, not, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he's basically saying, didn't Jesus come do exactly what he was supposed to do? Didn't Jesus fit within all the projections that were made about his life? Didn't Jesus connect all the things from the Old Testament that you've grown up learning about? He's just saying, like, what? Basically, why, why does this not make sense to you? All of the Bible has pointed to this event happening. Why does this not make sense to you? And then he, he goes on in verse 28. And they're getting towards this, this village of Emmaus. And again, it's been a seven-mile walk. So they've been just walking for seven miles. And maybe they're at six and a half, maybe at six and three quarters. We don't know exactly how close they are, but they're close enough where they're beginning to kind of draw near and kind of figure out their plans for the night. It says, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. Now, again, this is Jesus. And I don't know like what exactly this means, but there's a sense in which Jesus isn't letting on who he is and that he's even going to stay with them. It's like this is one big test. Okay. And he reminds them the first transaction like why are you guys so surprised the bible is actually unfolding exactly like it said it would concerning jesus the son of god and he just was acting coy like you know they're they're kind of slowing down to get to city and he's just speeding up like hey you know guys it's been you know it's been real i i don't know if she said that but like he's going further he's continuing and so there's a sense in which he wants he's he wants them are they interested to learn more are they wanting to actually kind of figure this out? Are they willing to search? Are they willing to investigate? It's like this test. He acted as if he were going far, farther, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. So he's acting like he's going further and, and they're, wait, 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 stranger guy. Stay. Like we, we still want to talk about this. We still want your, your input. We'd like to know your thoughts because obviously we're perplexed. We're confused. We don't know what's happening. So please stay. It's getting late in the day. You know, stay a while. And then the, the story goes on further in verse 30. When he was at the table with them, so he goes in and he's, he's going to eat with them. He took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Like, is Jesus just messing with them at this point? Like, if you think about it, not only did he not appear like he's a mystery, they don't know who he is. He's a stranger on this road to Emmaus. He finally reveals himself and as they're like breaking bread and they're about to eat. And then all of a sudden, they see him. This person that's been talking to us about how everything's been fulfilled by what Jesus did. And they see him. And in that last verse, 
just is very interesting. And he vanished from them. So we don't exactly know the van- like, was it like, or was it like they held the bread up and he's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't see Jesus like, close your eyes and like hide and seek, you know, like, and he vanished. Jesus, your, your eyes are closed, but we can see you. Like, I don't think that's how it, how it happened, right? There's a sense in which they finally saw the lights were turned on in their minds and in their hearts and they could see him and he was gone. And you see this, this, this like test that was happening. Are you willing to connect the dots? Are you willing to act faith in faith that this actually happened according to how it was supposed to happen? According to how the Old Testament said it would happen? And are you willing to actually talk with me more about it? It was all this test. And then finally they see him and then he's gone. And then the story continues in verse 32. It says this. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And so they're just saying, we have never had an experience like this. Their heart is burning. It's just this, this sensation that we have just witnessed something that will forever change our lives. We have seen Jesus, the son of God, who was dead on Friday and is now alive on Sunday. And our hearts burn. Not only because of what we've seen, but what he explained to us, how he pointed the scriptures and how he pulled it all together to what had happened so that their hearts are burning. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. This is one of my favorite verses, because have you walked seven miles recently? It's far, right? Like, you know, seven miles, like you, you actually at the end of seven, you want to rest a little bit. But remember, they went seven miles They got to the place, they break bread with Jesus, they find out it's him, he vanishes, and they're like, that was crazy. That was amazing. Should we just like spend the night here and enjoy it? No, they're like, we have to go tell everyone. So they turn around and they walk back. Like they have faith. Like I've been like, hey, you know, like, it's like rest a little bit. You know, we can tell them tomorrow. No, they were, they were so excited. They'd witnessed the Jesus who was crucified, who was buried, and now appeared before them, and then he vanished. And so this just made this, this huge impact. And, so, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And so they can't wait to tell this good news to the rest of his followers. And the conversation will probably be like, okay, you know how we were going to Emmaus today? And like, we were kind of stressed out and we were talking about all these things. And we were talking about how people came and said, like the women and Peter, like the body wasn't there. And we were kind of hopeless and we were dejected and we were frustrated. And we were talking about this. All of a sudden the guy came and he, we started talking to him about it. And he basically said, what are you guys thinking? The scripture said this was going to happen. And we really liked what he said. And he connected a lot of dots for us. And he was like teaching us. And you wonder if, like, as they're explaining, and he was teaching us. Wait a second. He sounds just like that other guy that taught us. And then he broke bread with us and he appeared and he vanished. And he is risen just like he said. And he is risen just like he said. And at this point, we don't really know the exact like reaction, but I could imagine this group of people 
that had had this just hope, just filled promise of this Messiah, this teacher that helped them, that taught them, that saved them to be dead and then to rise again. It was like there was nothing better that they would ever, ever experience in their life. The most hopeless, the most hopeful, the most discouraged to encouraged. And this all happens through this interjection and this this relationship that happens on this road with this stranger. That was Jesus, the risen son of God. What's so fascinating about this story is that the lights were off. He was veiled. They couldn't see him. And then Jesus turned the lights on and they saw him for who he was. And once they saw him as the resurrected son of God, it changed everything. It changed history. It changed their lives. That's why they decided waiting after seven miles is nothing. We have to go tell the news that is fulfilled just as it said it would and will change everything. And so I want to kind of connect the dot for for us today because if, if this is actually true, if this happened, this actually needs to be something we think about. We maybe process a little bit. Because in the midst of this story, you see this just amazing, amazing relationship and relating that happens just on this journey. And what you find in the scriptures and what it means for us today is that destiny is changed. In fact, our destiny is changed for me and you here and now when we believe in Jesus's that he died and that he was resurrected. If we truly believe that Jesus is who he said he was, we believe that that is true. We believe that he died for our sin to pay the penalty, to redeem us, and that he rose again on the third day. Our destiny has changed, just like the disciples' destiny was changed, just like those two people on the road, destiny was changed. Because if this was true, the story doesn't lose any of its punch because it happened about 2,000 years ago. Because if there were things in the scriptures that pointed to this happening, not only is that meaningful because the scriptures are true, if it actually happened, if it was prophesied and it came true and it actually happened, how does that work? But not only that, if somebody did die and rose again, how does that work? So all these questions are very important to be answered because if it is true, then our destiny can be changed. And that's why the epic story that God tells in the scriptures hinges on what we do with Jesus Christ. And this is actually why we celebrate Easter. When we wake up on the Sunday of Resurrection Sunday, it's really a celebration that our destiny is changed. If you believe that it is true. So I want to talk a little bit about that because what happened was their eyes were opened you find that in the scriptures in Luke 24:31 their eyes were opened and they recognized him and this is a response that's very important because this represents today what happens with all of us there are people that either eyes are opened and they recognize that Jesus is who he said he is or their eyes are not opened and it's just something that probably didn't happen that's not really believable. So there's two responses. 
it was a meaningless event that probably didn't happen, or it's something that changes destinies. But it all hinges on this. Their eyes were opened. If their eyes had not been opened, they would not have seen. And here in today's world and culture, it's the same thing. Will our eyes be opened and will we see and will we believe that this is true? So those are the two basic responses. Either you see the importance of it or you you don't. Either you believe it's true or you don't. Now, there were people at the time of this event in history. There were three groups. Actually, there were four. The three main groups that didn't see the importance of this. The first were, were the Jews that didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. This was part of the group that actually worked to get him crucified. They thought his claims were not true. They couldn't be true. And therefore, he's blaspheming against God. But they, they just saw uh, Jesus as somebody who didn't really fit into their philosophy of how life should work. And so... He didn't make sense to them because they had decided this is how life works. Jesus doesn't fit into that. And so we disregard Jesus. That was one group. He just doesn't fit into my worldview. So I don't have to take him or what he stands for seriously. A second group is, is the crowds. These are the people that they didn't really take a position, but they just kind of just like to stand and watch. They liked his teaching. They liked to listen to him, but they just kind of were in the background. And then when Jesus went on their way, they had... A lot of things that they had to focus on in life. They had families they had to raise. They had jobs they had to do. And so they kind of took Jesus at a distance but decided, I'm just, I'm just too busy to really check this out, to see if this is true. And that's what the crowds did. They just followed him, gathered the crowd, and then they left. And then he'd teach again. They would gather the crowd, and then they left. They just always would go back to their normal life and routine because they had lots of things they were concerned with. There's a third group who were the Romans. And they saw Jesus as this is somebody who's coming against what we believe and stand for. And, you know, as Romans, we have lots of God. And so he's just another option. And that's the same response people have today. Jesus is just an option among options. He's just a God among gods. And so all three of these are very important because they actually represent us as well. We just live our life and Jesus doesn't fit into it. Or... We're too busy to slow down and even ask the question, could this be real? Or it's just an option among options. These are the same exact reactions that we have today. But the fourth group is the group who followed him. This is the group that eyes were opened and they could see him for who he actually was. And so our hope at Church in the Valley is that you become like the fourth group. That despite the things that you've learned in your life, despite the things that you think are important, despite the options that you'll see, you'll get to the point where the lights will turn on and you will see that Jesus is who he said he was. And if it is true, then your destiny can change. Jesus said in the book of John, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And he's talking about eternity, but look how he connects it to the resurrection. I am the resurrection. I am the one who conquered death. I am the one who paid the price for sin. I am the one who brings life. I'm not an option among options. 
I may not fit into your worldview, but I create new worldviews. If you follow me, even though you die, even though your life on this earth will die, you will surely live. You can have eternity because of what Jesus Christ did. But it hinges on, do we believe he was who he said he was? There's a quote by Timothy Keller that I think is really helpful because it kind of like draws the line. Because oftentimes, if you've been to an Easter service before, you, you hear a lot about a lot about Jesus, right? And probably this event, the fact that he died and that he rose again. And it's easy to just hear it again and again and something that we just hear. And sometimes we take it for granted. Sometimes we just gloss over it. But Timothy Keller, he's a pastor in New York. He's an author. He said this about the resurrection. He says, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. I just want to stop there. Okay. Don't keep reading it. Right. Stop. Stop. Don't you hate that when they say, but, but it needs to be linear, chronological, finished sentences. Right. But if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. Right. If he rose from the dead, you have to accept all that he said because he rose from the dead. That changes everything. Right. That means that he must be God because no one else could could do that. So we have to listen to him. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. See why this is so important? Everything hinges on this. Because if it's true, we can never see things the same. Our destiny's changed because he rose from the dead. If it's not true, then it doesn't really matter what he says. Because the scriptures pointed to it happening. If it didn't happen, then it's all a lie. Which begs the question. There are so many people who are willing to lay their life down and have in history for this being true. And the only reason can be is that the lights were turned on and they could see him for who he was. So that's what I want to encourage you to today. If you've never decided to follow Jesus Christ and to believe that he is who he said he was and that he actually died and he rose again, I want to encourage you to do that today. Being a Christian is actually a decision that you make. You decide to give your life to him because if it's true, then you have to believe everything he said. Because he's God and death could not conquer him. And so what it means to believe in this is that even though I'm going my own way and I really do want to live independent and my way seems the best and I really like to do what I want to do all the time. When you become a Christian, you decide that his priorities trump your priorities. That's what it means. He actually leads now. I don't lead my life. I actually let God lead my life. And the way he leads you is you read the scriptures and you let that form what you do. You let that form what you say. You let that form how you think. That's what it means to be a Christian. If you've never done that, and you may be like, just it's another option, or you may be just, it's too busy, or you may be just, it doesn't fit, maybe ask God to turn the light on for you so that you can see him 
for who he said he was. So I want to encourage you, if you've never taken that step to actually believe this, you can make that decision today. If this brings up a lot of questions and you think, you know what, I've actually never thought about this. And you may feel like those people walking on the road that are investigating and asking all these questions. You may just need somebody to come alongside you to talk you through it. So I encourage you to to investigate. To ask questions. The great thing about Christianity is that again and again, people have brought their questions to Jesus Christ and what it means to follow him. And they found the answers It's not a blind faith. It's a faith that's been investigated over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But it's stood the test of time. That's why here and now, in Alhambra, California, we have a church of people that actually believe this. So I want to encourage you, figure out what your questions are. And begin to ask them. There's people, if you came with somebody today, or you just had these questions you've been wrestling with, find somebody and and begin to, to ask them. Like, what about this? What about that? Uh, If you've never read The Case for Easter, that actually talks a lot about this. So pick one of those up. That can answer some of your questions as well. And so I want to encourage you, don't just let this be another Sunday where you hear a story that you may have heard before. But ask, well, what, what does this mean to me? And ask those questions. Uh, as I wrap up, I want to just give you a, a preview for where we're going to be headed next week. Okay, Next week, we're going to talk about grand opening and this is now we've looked at this event okay this is the everything hinges on jesus death and resurrection now we're going to go back in time to the beginning grand opening when god actually created here's two questions we're going to look at why did god make the world and include people in it did you wake up this morning you're like why am i here Did you ask that? We're going to talk about that next week. And then with that, what did God do to bring meaning to life? So why am I here? And is there meaning to this world here and now? And so I I want to encourage you to to come back next week as we look at this. As I close, I'm going to invite the band up. And there's some next steps that you can take today, uh, which I've mentioned. uh, But it's on the back of your connection card. So if everyone pull out your connection card that Ben had you fill out, finish filling that out. We're going to be receiving our offering. You can drop that in there. But the first one is, for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and commit to follow him as Lord. That's what it means to be a Christian. So if you mark that, uh, we'll follow up with you and clarify what that means. But if you've never decided to become a Christian, uh, you can mark that and we can begin the process of just talking to you about what that means. A second, uh, ask God to reveal himself to me, to, to turn the light on. So that's maybe you just need to begin an investigation. And we encourage you to do that. And here at Church of I, we actually want to help you in that process. And then the third, if you're like, well, I don't know about one. I don't know about two. The third, come back next week and just kind of find out more of these stories. And so, again, we're really glad you're here. Uh, We're going to have, there's refreshments, there's pictures, uh, portraits that you can have with your family. There's the Easter egg hunt following uh, this service. So we invite you to hang out, connect more with people. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song back to God as the offering comes by, and then we invite you to to go outside and celebrate with us further. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for just this, this relationship that we find in the scriptures of these two men that are walking, trying to make sense out of their life and what had just happened, and how you came alongside them through Jesus and 
connected all the dots. And here today, you still do the same thing. There's so many questions that we have. There's things that we're wrestling with. There's things that we're confused by or disillusioned by. But you actually come. You soften our hearts. You allow us to see things that we've never seen. And you actually connect dots for us. And so I ask God that you'll do that. Uh, For anyone that needs to investigate whether this is true, God, help them to know where to start. And just give them diligence to actually get their questions answered. Uh, For people that have just never really thought about what it means to follow Jesus. God, I pray that you'll really speak to their hearts and give them a sense that they have to check this out. And God, I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who rose again. Amen.